the networking capital impact of paying invoices, that many invoices early, is about $17 million in working capital and $800,000 in hard savings for every billion dollars in spend. Welcome to the Ultimate Supplier Management Podcast from Apex Analytics. This is an audio version of a recent webinar called Push the DPO Envelope. It featured Alfonso Ricana. He is the Global Finance Change Management Lead at Indeed and Danny Thompson, SVP of Market and Product Strategy here at Apex Analytics. During the session, Alfonso discussed recent EU and UK regulation updates that could impact payment terms. And Danny highlighted Apex Analytics research that has shown 25% of vendor invoice terms are better for the supplier than the original negotiated terms. As always, you can download the slides in the episode notes. With that, enjoy the show. Alfonso Ricotta is the Global Finance Change Management Lead at Indeed, and Danny Thompson, who's SVP Market and Product Strategy at Apex Analytics. So over to you, please, Danny and Alfonso. Thanks, Susie, and thanks for joining, Alfonso. Alfonso and I are going to talk today about how to push the DPO envelope and how you can use AI to help optimize payment terms and working capital. So we're going to be moving pretty quickly, starting out first with a primer around working capital and DPO. But before I go on, I'll just take a second to introduce myself, SVP Marketing Product Strategy for Apex Analytics, where recovery audit, supplier information, Management and Working Capital Optimization Company. I'm Alfonso Ricotta and I'm the Business Process Redesign Manager at Change. My title recently so I'm part of the global finance team and global controller at Indeed. My role is linked to, uh, we're going through a major finance transformation journey at Indeed with the implementation of seven months ago of Workday Financial as our ERP system. And prior to joining Indeed, I have acquired more than 15 years experience working for large multinational shared service centers mainly in the pharmaceutical industry. So So jumping into the topic at hand, really, no matter what your product is, your company profit is driven by the difference in the cost that you have as a company and the prices that you're charging and the quantity that you're selling. And the faster you turn that profit, the better, because it gives you more money to reinvest sooner. And that turnaround is called the cash conversion cycle. And the money you have available to pay your bills and reinvest is working capital. The three components of working capital calculations are days inventory outstanding, days sales outstanding, and days payable outstanding. And the last of these, DPO, is the component most impacted by procure-to-pay processes. A big driver of DPO is the average number of days you can delay paying for goods and services after they've been provided. And the primary driver of average days to pay is the payment terms that you've agreed with your suppliers. In short, the longer your payment terms, the more working capital your company will have, but there's a catch. 
And that catch is that you can only extend payment terms so far before things start falling apart. Suppliers run out of cash and become unable to deliver inventory or critical services, and they start looking for other customers who will pay them more quickly. So when addressing payment terms, one has to consider competing agendas between suppliers and buyers, right, Alfonso? Yes, I suppose it's an ongoing competing agenda between the buyer and supplier, and you can see it sometimes they are kind of locking horns, but it's not a conflicting agenda. It's more they have to address priorities. From the buyer side, they are trying to push and extend the payment terms, to try to increase their DPO while the supplier, sorry, wants to shorten the payment terms to reduce their DSO. Again, while both parties are looking to manage the risk associated with this negotiation, they do want to agree on the best payment term possible and try to achieve a win-win situation. And then you're going to cover some of the common questions related. Yeah, so when companies come to Apex to help with payment terms projects, they usually come with one of several questions. They either have a goal of hitting a certain working capital improvement level or a savings goal, or they want to move to an industry standard. They feel like maybe they're behind their competitors. Sometimes they want to move to the top. They want the most aggressive terms in their industry or just want to be in the top quartile. And then some just want to squeeze all the working capital they can out of their supplier base. And in all of these cases, they're trying to think of ways to do this with creating the least amount of conflict that Alfonso was talking about on the previous slides. And so to avoid that conflict as much as possible, the answer begins with understanding your suppliers. And an important first step is identifying which of your suppliers are also customers. If your supplier is also a customer, then you should look at, do they pay you slower than you pay them? And if so, fair is fair. You should be able to easily move your payment terms to match theirs. On the other hand, if you were to start paying them slower than they pay you, then likewise, they're going to say fair is fair, and they might respond by extending your payment terms. That may or may not be a problem. If they spend more with you than you with them, then this mutual extension of payment terms may hurt you more than it helps. Another thing companies want to know is how quickly are other companies paying their suppliers? And the answer is kind of interesting. At the bottom left of this slide, it shows a chart. This is real-world data from a representative random sample of Apex's Fortune 500 and Global 2000 clients. It shows weighted average days to pay by company revenue. And you can see it's kind of a shotgun. There's no real trend line here. Company average days to pay are all over the place from immediate pays to over 100 days, and they're no longer for the largest companies than they are for the smallest companies. On the other hand, if you look at the chart on the right and look by supplier industry, some really useful trends emerge across all of our clients. And that's the average days to pay varies widely based on supplier industry. So the three considerations that we're looking at here, it just shows it's more important to base payment terms on supplier specifics than your own buyer specifics. 
And kind of continuing with this theme is supplier country. So, Alfonso, you have some experience with regulations around the world on this, yeah? Yes, I suppose if you're considering increasing your payment terms as part of your DPO extension strategy, you will need to take into account the rules and regulation in the targeted market. And what I'm going to do is just to cover the current requirement in the European Union and the Prompt Payment Act that it's in the UK. So let's start with the payment terms that are regulated in the European Union by the Late Payment Directive, which really is aimed to improve the situation for companies who has experienced delays in payment in the public and the private sector. So what the directive has introduced are fixed terms of payment in the European Union, which are 60 days in the private sectors and 30 days in the public sectors. The directive also regulated the interest rate to be applied for late payment, which is set at 8%, as you can see, above the central bank rate. So it actually used the European Central Bank refinancing rate, which is currently at 0.05%. So in addition to the late payment interest to the supplier, the supplier is also entitled to charge a compensation fee towards the recovery cost, which usually is based on the value of the invoice or the value of the debt. So the minimum fixed fee is 40 euro if the debt is up to 1,000 euro. I mean, maybe I'll clarify that there's a maximum of 100 euro here if the debt is over 10,000 euro. And by the way, the supplier is not required to provide any evidence for this recovery. And again, in order to enforce a directive, each member state uh, do need to pass an additional law or legislation in the country. So the directive is not a law. So they can accept the directive as is or create what we call a variant with potentially more stricter condition. And I will provide a few examples in a few minutes. So in terms of the application of the directive in the private sector, as for any rules, there are always exceptions. And the directive do mention that payment terms can be extended over six days, but you need to have an agreement between the parties. It can be a contractual agreement or, or sometimes, you know, you have a determined condition on your purchase order, for example. And there's a terminology of saying that it's not grossly unfair to the creditors. While that term, that denotation of grossly unfair, uh, mainly refers to basically any gross deviation to uh, good commercial practices, there's no real and clear definition or criteria for this term in the directive. And when we look at contractual business-to-business -business rule, in reality, what we see is that large companies do usually take advantage of a strong market position to impose longer payment terms in the European Union. And creditors do not really enforce their rights to avoid damaging the relationship with the supplier and to avoid any administrative burdens. Also, I think that there are very few places in the European Union where charging interest for late payment is a common practice. So I'm going to go through a couple of examples on the variant here. So you can see that in the European Union, we have variant in France and Spain. So it's 60 days maximum in France and Spain without any exceptions. So you cannot go over those terms. The Netherlands also have more stricter condition for SME. So again, you cannot go over 60 days for SME. And you can see that for Denmark and Sweden, if the payment terms are over 30 days, there must be an agreement in writing by both parties. So I suppose beside the law, I wanted to mention that you still need to look at cultural and commercial practices 
when negotiating payment terms in the EU. From experience, or maybe some of you have experienced it, you could be negotiating very short payment terms in Nordic countries, in Finland, for example, 7 or 15 days, while in comparison to Italy, you might be negotiating 60, 90 or even 120 days. So I'm going to talk about the UK Prompt Act, which really instructs uh, large businesses to publish at least twice a year some metrics and information related to payment. So they need, these are for large UK companies and for multinationals, so it's supposed that there must be UK entities in the UK. So the law really asks to publicly release the payment policy, practices, metrics, and performance in a report and twice a year. Again, the same regulation as per the directive, these were introduced with the intention of helping small and medium-sized suppliers to receive the payment on time. And I put here a link to the reporting. It's open to the public, but I found that it's very good information if you're looking at a DPO from a competitor, or they can even list if they are using electronic invoicing or they are using supplier chain finance. So it's, it's free to check. I found it's a good source of information. So there's a condition here. So a large business company that has at least two of the following, it's mandatory for them to publish this information. So it's either 36 million in turnover, 18 million on its balance sheet, or 250,000 employees. So if any of those two conditions is met, they need to publish this information on the government side. Yeah, so I guess this shows, you know, their company size, supplier size is an important factor that you need to be considering as well as supplier region. This slide shows some more data that we have taken from an analysis of a sample of Apex Analytics Fortune 500 Global 2000 clients. And it's another factor you need to be considering, and, and that's enforcement of your hard negotiated payment terms. So Alfonso was just talking about part of the UK regulation is reporting whether you've paid on time. It's also important to not pay early unless you're doing it for a really good reason. So we compared payment terms on the invoice to payment terms on the vendor master across all the payments made across a year and found a real opportunity. About a third of the time, there was a mismatch between the vendor terms and invoice terms. In about a quarter of those cases, invoices were paid more quickly than the vendor master suggested it should be. And on average, they were paid about 20 days early. The networking capital impact of paying invoices, that many invoices early, is about $17 million in working capital and 800000 in hard savings for every billion dollars in spent. So, you know, just enforcement around your payment terms, making sure that invoices are being paid according to the terms that you've negotiated. It's just super important. And you may ask, how is it that this problem even exists? Because payment terms are supposed to be inherited down through the process, right? So, you know, the theory is that payment terms get negotiated as part of a master agreement that then flows to the contract, then to a sales order, then to an invoice, and then ultimately to a payment. But in the real world, the flow of payment terms is just much more complex than that because 
terms usually get manually transmitted from the master agreement to the contract. Then they've got to be entered in payment terms tables in the ERP, then into vendor masters in the ERP. And sometimes there are multi-layer vendor masters in the ERP controlling non-PO and PO invoices. Then they should be inherited onto a purchase order, but they can be overridden on a purchase order. Then they're supposed to be applied to the sales order, but that's happening in another company in another system. Then the invoice gets generated. It gets ingested in the ERP. There's more inheritance, but opportunity for manual overrides. And even on individual payments, invoices can be accelerated or decelerated. So there's just plenty of opportunity for errors to be introduced along the way. And the answer here is just tighter process controls to make sure that if something is being changed manually along the way, that it's being done so for a really good reason. And then also there's benefit in just running regular reporting that identifies these exceptions and you can, you know, generate reports that are weighted based on financial impact and go and investigate those on a regular basis to see if you have control gaps around payment terms. Just kind of summing all of this up, what do we really recommend as a way to have an ultimate payment terms optimization solution in place in your company? First, ensure that terms compliance is being enforced across your enterprise and throughout the AP cycle, as we were just discussing. Second is identify the optimal payment terms for the individual supplier based on their individual characteristics, and then have a process in place that moves the suppliers to their optimal terms. We help clients do all of this with APEX solutions. at the way we help them ensure terms compliance is with fully compliant supplier onboarding. So our clients configure business rules around payment terms into their supplier onboarding and vendor master management processes so that payment terms get applied automatically according to policy. And then continuous monitoring of the solution for compliance and information about the suppliers to help them make sure that payment terms are optimized. We have the reporting necessary to to make sure invoices are being paid with payment terms that match the vendor master. In the middle, we've created some predictive analytics. We have a database of 32 million, actually now the number's 38 million suppliers in our golden record database. These are the suppliers who are doing business with our clients. And without revealing any specific business relationships, we have predictive analytics based on supplier behavior and and the behavior of similar suppliers in the same region and industry of every individual supplier that predicts which payment terms every supplier is likely to accept and to what level. So we can make a recommendation about whether a specific supplier 
would be willing to take 60 days or 75 day terms or 30 day terms based on what we know about that supplier. Then moving suppliers to optimal terms, using our supplier portal, there's an automated mass update, automated communications that can go out to the suppliers, as well as early payment programs. So one of the things that companies do when they're extending payment terms is they offer an early payment program for suppliers who are willing to either get paid by a purchase card or a virtual card or take a dynamic discount in exchange for early payment. And those programs allow suppliers to meet their own working capital needs, even while you're reaching your own working capital needs. Danny Thompson and Alfonso Ricotta, thank you very much indeed for joining us.